Welcome to the podcast from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Chuck McGathy, and this is the fourth season of our podcasting experiment. Uh, It's probably not an experiment any longer. Thank you for joining in with us. Uh, I want to remind you, or if especially if you're new listening to this, that this podcast is uh, is a uh, a work of uh, of an amateur who's trying very much to find a way to express the gospel any way that it can be expressed. So thank you for joining with us. Our our website is www.firstbaptistchurch.com. Of madison.weebly.com. Please check that out. Our scripture passage for the day, and this is the sermon entitled The Light We Need Now, good title for the beginning sermon of 2023, comes from Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. Listen to what the Bible says about the idea of light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning one day. Today the sermon text is about light. God's light, present in a great darkness and changing everything. When it was written, it was composed for its original audience as a message of hope. The Genesis message is still a beacon of hope. Listen once again to the first verses of the Bible, this time from the New Revised Standard Version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning one day. Today, the sermon text is about light, God's light, present in a great darkness, changing everything. When it was written, it was composed for its original audience and meant to uplift their spirits, meant to speak deeply to their souls, not just of the natural event that occurred somewhere in the great universe that surrounds us, but in our hearts. The message of Genesis is a message of belief, of trust, of hope. The first four sentences of the Bible make no attempt at a scientific explanation of creation. In fact, the reality of a created order is never argued in Genesis. What the author of these words puts forth is theology. In the minds of the ancients, the issue was not if a divine entity created the earth and how, but which divine entity created the earth and why. 
The first words of Scripture tell us of the light we need to live. The book of the beginning, the first book of the Hebrew Torah, which we call Genesis, offers an explanation that is timeless in its truth. Genesis offers an account of the beginning that differed in some important ways from other ancient accounts of the start of everything we know. Other ancient religions also taught creation stories. And if you look at these accounts from Mesopotamia and Egypt, you will see some similarities. But there are some elements of the Genesis account that greatly differ from the other ancient explanations of beginning. For instance, Genesis. In Genesis, God is singular and does not compete with any other God. In the Bible's version of the beginning of things, human beings are God's special creation. That means it is people whom God both loves and is interested in. That was a new idea. Genesis offered a new and unique theological perspective on God that departed from and challenged the common beliefs of the other religions that had spread and been embraced by humanity. In our own day, we have faced challenges to the Genesis light. Ever since curious minds first turned their attention on the scientific origins of life, many religious folks have felt that their faith was threatened. But should that be the case, some devout Christians feel differently about this. Methodist writer Jeff McElroy said, we read a text like the creation story in Genesis 1 as if it is claiming to be history or science in the modern understanding when the reality is that this text cannot really be placed in such neat, clean genre classifications in ways that would, we would prefer especially considering its poetic style. The author's purpose is not to outline history or a scientific theory, but to offer a poetic theological reflection on creation, on the nature of its creatures, and on the God who brought it all into being. Protestants are not alone in this approach to creation stories of Scripture. Pope John Paul II clearly recognized this idea when he shared these thoughts on science and Scripture. The Bible itself speaks to us of the origin of the universe and its makeup, not in order to provide us with a scientific treaty, but in order to state the correct relationships of man with God and with the universe. Sacred scripture wishes simply to declare that the world was created by God and in order to teach this truth, it expresses itself in the terms of cosmology in use at the time of the writer. Any other teaching about the origin and makeup of the universe is alien to the intentions of the Bible, which does not wish to teach how the heavens were made, but how one goes to heaven. What then is the intention of this passage? What timeless message does it intend to put forth? Can understanding this message bring us hope and light in 2023? How can we open the windows of our souls? How can we welcome the light of God that drives out the darkness in our lives? One of the symbols of worship which we embrace in this church happens on Christmas Eve. We dim the lights and then we light the Advent wreath. 
Then one by one, we pass the light to each other until a sanctuary full of people holding individual lights illuminate the entire building. We could, of course, say many things regarding the specialness of that moment, but the most powerful sermon in is that words are unnecessary for the meaning of the light to be impressed upon us without using any words at all. We get the meaning of the light that shines in the darkness. Through the act of candle lighting, we are reminded of the words of St. Francis who said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. The light is the gospel preached without words. Light, beautiful light. We can easily take it for granted, but we cannot exist without it. Not only does light enable life to exist, but its absence, even for a short while, profoundly affects our moods and mental stability. But I want you to notice something very interesting about this light as described in Genesis. This light is special. This is God's light. God's light is mentioned in verse 3. Notice, please, the sun is not created until verse 16. It is a theologically profound statement. The scripture indicates that God himself is the author of all light and is himself light. The sun was not a god as the polytheistic religions had taught, but a part of creation put in place by the God of light to give life to our planet. Some of us, when we were young, learned the song, Jesus is the light. The theology of that simple tune is plain and understandable. Even though it is a simple song, it is also thoroughly biblical. About Jesus, we are told that he is the great light that shines in the darkness. His birth is announced to the wise men by an unusual light in the evening sky above Bethlehem. Again and again throughout the Bible are references to God invading the darkness of sin to offer hope and life and light. These references to the light these references to the light are also true in Christian tradition. We do not know exactly the date that Jesus was born. Our best guess is a five year period between five and one BC in the springtime when the sheep were actively grazing. About the 4th century, the early church in Rome, wishing to acknowledge Christ's birth while at the same time weaken the grip of paganism, adopted the Feast of the Winter Solstice as the celebration of Christmas. By so doing, they established a Christian tradition that associates the birth of our Savior with the return of light in the winter darkness. We can and should embrace this as a lovely tradition, a lovely teaching, combining the testimony of Scripture with the testimony of nature itself. As a reasonably well-educated person and as someone who has devoted his life to understanding the Bible, I have been distressed to watch through the years the unending war with science that many believers, our fellow brothers and sisters, continue to fight. It is not just an issue of the age of the earth, the existence of dinosaurs or their coexistence with humankind, or the notion that both the planet and all life that lives upon it is constantly developing and changing, adapting to the demands of survival. These are simply not the concerns of the scripture. However, when they are made 
the concern of the narrow-minded interpretation, two results are inevitable. The first result is that Christians, and unfortunately all Christians, are lumped into an anti-intellectual heap by those trying to understand our faith. The painful fact is sometimes our Christian brothers and sisters have been an obstacle to those seeking light. In the course of futile attempts to impose their beliefs upon others, some sincere believers have become hostile and aggressive. Outsiders to the faith quickly dismiss every Christian and every church as irrelevant and angry at knowledge, hardly the church that Jesus commissioned to go forth and share the good news. Perhaps even more tragic is what gets omitted by focusing on trying to make Genesis scientific, the theology, the intended meaning is obscured in an irresolvable debate. Instead of using the first words of the Bible to reinforce the hope we have in God's love and provision, the message that our creator is the God of light, the meaning of the creation is deconstructed into an argument between scientific and religious propositions. This, of course, is quite unnecessary. Only a very restrictive and narrow interpretation of Scripture makes the debate necessary in the first place. Fortunately, there is a better way for the faithful. We can learn from Scripture the faith lesson that God is light and the creator of all that is. The Bible affirms that the processes of light, life are systematic and God is the author of every stage of development. That's what the Bible told its first readers. That's what the Bible still tells us. I hope you can see that lost somewhere in the evolution versus creation, young earth versus old earth, dinosaurs versus no dinosaurs debate is the simple Genesis truth that God is light. In him we take our existence, in him only can we understand our existence and purpose. Without him it is only darkness and chaos. In him is light. As John the Apostle wrote, the very opposite of chaos, the logos, the very word of God, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. How will knowing this affect you in 2023? Our days are often filled with darkness and fear. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. And the anxiety of the unknown brings us to our knees. Like a man tossing and turning on a hot bed through a lonely night, we raise our voices to God and plead for answers. In our worry about tomorrow, we feel dread and abandonment. Hope dissipates and the feeling of impending disaster grows. Then... A ray of sunlight pierces the deep darkness bit by bit until we are confident that soon all darkness will disappear. Once again, we recall that God is light and he has separated the darkness from the light. Morning has broken and we may thank God for the light he gives. What do you need? What do you need light for this year? Some might say financial help. Still others may say, I need help to find a job. 
Some may want healing in their bodies or in broken relationship. Others may feel far from God and want to know Him in a way that is truly meaningful. Maybe you want most or even all of these things, but where do you begin? The answer is just the same now as it was for the first who heard it. In the beginning, God. Unless we begin with God, nothing else will make much sense. Genesis, however, is not a how-to book. Instead, it is a who-to book. Genesis does not tell you how to put your life together, but it does tell you who to go to when you are in deepest darkness. That great preacher Fred Craddock says, one could easily get bogged down in the cosmology and the order of creation and all the details, but that is somewhat losing the forest for the sake of the trees. The most proper approach to this text is poetic, majestic, awe-inspiring, emotional, full of images and movement. The light you need and the light I need right now is God's light. He stands ready to show each one of us the way as we advance into the new year. What will it hold? None of us know. Not really. There may be pleasant as well as unpleasant surprises along the way, but one thing we can be sure of, with the light of God illuminating our path, we will be just fine. Let us pray. Oh God of light, we need you. Give to our frightened hearts the encouragement to try another day and the conviction that dawn will arrive. Let us be the loving and trusting folks who become light to a dark world. Infuse us with optimism and hope that draws others to see and trust you too. You are our light and in you is no darkness at all. We trust you with all our tomorrows. In Jesus' name, we trust and pray. Amen.